Hey, it's Paul here again. Just a quick reminder that today's episode is one of our very first episodes that we recorded and released, and it's before we started using immersive storytelling techniques like sound design and music and narration. Now, of course, the story itself is very powerful and very relevant to today, but if you enjoy those types of elements like sound design and narration and music, then make sure to listen to some of our newer content that we've released as well. And now, on to the show. And it says, on this date, this court hereby declares that Griffin Anthony Fuller shall now be the heir of Robert and Heidi Fuller. And then it had a little clause that said, and shall be entitled to all the same rights and privileges as if he were their own natural child. In that moment, salvation became clear. Like in that moment, that's like all I was seeing. I was like seeing the legal decree of my salvation. I'm Paul Hastings, and you're listening to Compelled, real people telling true stories about God's compelling love working in their lives. Welcome to episode 10 of our podcast. We're over halfway done with our season, and whether you've been listening since day one or you're joining us for the first time, we're glad you're here. Today's guests are Rob and Heidi Fuller, and if you've been listening for a while, then you know that we try to keep our episodes around 40 minutes or less. But in the process of editing today's episode, we realized that we really needed more than just 40 minutes to tell Rob and Heidi's story well. So today, you'll hear part one of their story, but be sure to tune in next week to hear the second half. God chose a unique way to build Rob and Heidi's family through adoption. Their journey has been marked by times of great difficulty and deep discouragement, but even more so by God's miraculous provision and boundless grace. I am blessed to be here with Rob and Heidi Fuller from Wichita, Kansas, and uh, I have known you guys for probably three or four years, and I met you through my wife, Sarah. Heidi, let's just kind of start with you. Can you just tell us about your life growing up and some of the things that you dealt with? Yeah, so I grew up in a wonderful Christian home. Um, In fact, I was born on a Sunday afternoon, and the next Sunday I was in church, so (laughs) literally grew up hearing the gospel. My parents didn't just teach it, they lived it. So yeah, very good growing up. One sister, 13 months younger than me, and we were very close, and a good, stable home environment. Well, good. Uh, I I know that there was something significant that happened to you as a child. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, one thing very foundational to my life, I have had a lot of problems with my eyes. Um, The first one came about when I was just six years old. Um, I was basically legally blind from the time I was born, and so they put me in glasses at age two, contacts at age five, and my childhood is just kind of splattered with episodes where detached retinas would just keep coming back. And there there was really no explanation. Um, They didn't really know why it kept happening, but it did, (laughs) just over and over. So when I was 16, I, um, I went blind in my right eye, but I have fairly decent vision in my left eye. Wow. So then tell us, how did the two of y'all meet? Heidi tells the story the best on uh, what her first memory of me. Oh, My good. first memory of Rob. We were at Camp Jim <laughs> in Minnesota. Stands for Jesus is mine. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Camp Jim. <laughs> and I probably was in, I don't know, 10th grade, I'm guessing. 10th grade, you would have been in, you know, 9th grade. And I remember being at camp and Rob was 
always the loud guy who was up on stage. And that night, the event was a scavenger hunt. So there's two teams and they had a list for each team, pine cones, you know, bird's nest, worms, whatever the things were. And each team had to go find all these things around the camp. And so they brought us all back at the end of the night and the the director is up there calling out, bring your bird's nest, you know, and then the people would run up with their stuff and bring the the pine cones and people would run up with their stuff. Well, he said, bring up your worms and they had to be live worms. And I, I was sitting there and Rob had his team's worms. Of course, everyone in the place is going wild and screaming and cheering for their team. And the director says, in all this hype, he says, a million extra points to the first person to eat their worms. Oh. And he didn't even think twice about it. He popped the worms in his mouth and ate them, and I was mortified. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. Thought, and he, come to find this? out later, he was totally joking. He was not <laughs> expecting anybody to do this. And yes, and I threw a that's worm That's my down. first memory oh of him. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay, so that's your first memory of Rob. Yeah. I mean, was it was it love at first sight? After, Absolutely you know? not. No. I thought, who does that kid think he is? He was Always up in front. I thought he was so arrogant. Yeah, I, was I not tried impressed. to do special music <laughs> at camp impressed. and stuff, and it was, you know. Interesting. So, so then what happened? Heidi was taking her senior year of high school as a freshman in college. Yeah. And uh, my older sister was going into college. And so um, somehow. And they, we were roommates. Somehow they, talk, they talked Heidi into being her roommate. And I remember his sister didn't have her license. They lived about an hour and a half away from the college that we were at. And she would ask me, please take me home for the weekend. I want to see my family, you know. And we were roommates, but we weren't really like friends outside of that so much. So I would always come up with a reason why I couldn't take her home that weekend. But one weekend, there was this boy that I liked. And he was on the handbell team. And he was going to be at their church. And I'm like, okay. I'll take you home this weekend. <laughs> a very selfless act on my part, right? Yeah. So I took her home that weekend. We went to church. The whole handbell thing happened. And then after church, I was ready to go. It was time to drive back to school. And his sister kept saying, no, 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 please stay a little longer. Stay for pizza. Stay for pizza and a movie. I promise. Right after the pizza and the movie, we'll go back. Yeah. So finally, she talked me into it. And I said, oh, okay. So I get my pizza and I go down to their basement. There were these two recliners at the back of the room and then some couches and everybody else was sitting in the couches. So I went and sat back there by Rob. I don't think other than our few encounters at camp and a little bit of small talk in passing, I don't think we'd ever had a conversation. I mean, I don't think we really knew who each other was. We had never talked. Back into my brain, what was going on is I didn't have really any thoughts prior to that weekend of anything towards Heidi as as more than just my sister's roommate. Yeah. But something weird happened in my brain when we were about to sit down and watch the movie. I thought, you know, she's a really good girl. And anybody would be lucky to have her as a girlfriend. Aww. And so I thought, she sits down next to me. I'm, I'm going to do something about it. And he did something about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were watching the movie And out of nowhere, Rob Fuller reaches over and holds my hand. Wow. I had never even talked to him. I'd never even had a conversation with him. And he reached over and held my hand. What a player. We just kind of like (laughs) intermingled the the, the two, you know, the pinky and ring fingers. And that's about it. And And we sat there for about half a minute. I thought, who does this boy think he is? I don't know if I was shocked. Or I don't know. I, I was shocked, but I, I left my hand there. You so didn't I slap had him off. equal part in this, but I left yes. my hand there and I was just shocked. And I kept thinking, 
what am I going to do when this movie is over? Because this is going to be like the world's most awkward moment, okay? And it was. Because the movie ended, everybody went upstairs, we were gathering our things, and he looked at me and he goes, um... Can I email you sometime? (laughs) I said, sure. (laughs) And we started emailing. Mm -hmm. And pretty soon I started coming and bringing his sister home every weekend. So then let's kind of move forward through time. Then you guys got married and then y'all got a job. Or uh, Rob, I assume you got a job working in ministry. Kind of take us from there. Yeah, I graduated uh, college in 2004 with a degree in music and a degree in Bible. And... I got uh, called as a youth and music pastor in a small church in Indiana, in Bern, Indiana, called Grace Bible Church. Um, it was it was going well for the a little bit, and then we we hit some some rough patches. What do you mean by rough patches? There were a number of factors going on. It was the first time either of us had lived away from family, so you immediately remove that support system. Um, you are fresh out of everything, new onto the scene, thinking you're going to conquer the world. And so in a lot of ways, it's a reality check. You know, it was a reality check of, oh, we're not as cool as we thought we were. You know, my, maybe a little bit of that. Um, but around that exact same time, we desperately wanted to start a family. We had been married for two years, and everybody else was having children. Um, my sister already, uh, my, she at least had one. She may have had two kids already by that point in time. But we really, really wanted to have a family, and that wasn't happening either. So you combine all of those pieces together, and it was just a really, really dark time hmm. in our lives, just you're you're faced with all the I thought I had control over all of this. Yeah. And you realize I don't have control over any of this. Yeah. But I can 100% remember when it changed for me. I was sitting in church, we had a guest speaker, and he was speaking on submission to God's plans. I don't remember the passage he used. I don't remember any of that. I just remember sitting there thinking this is totally my problem. I totally get why I am struggling with this. I am not submissive to God. And it was just like it all came crashing in on me. I was just really deeply convicted, like, I wanted a baby, but what if God didn't want me to have one? And that really affected me deeply. The thing that really stood out in my mind was adoption, that maybe God was orchestrating all the pieces of our life because that's what he wanted. So for me, that was a very huge turning point where I just submitted to God. I came home. I talked to Rob about it. Of course, he was thrilled. Up until that point, she, you know, I'd brought up adoption before because we were, we just hadn't been able to get pregnant. And I I said, well, what about maybe we should look into thinking about adoption? And you got to understand my wife's personality. She's a very driven person. No grass grows under those feet. (laughs) So once she made that decision, she said, so Rob, let's do it. Let's figure it out. Let's, let's call somebody. I don't know who to call, but let's call somebody. As a teenager, I had so many friends whose lives were transformed by attending a Worldview Academy leadership camp. For many of them, it was the highlight of their summer because it was such a spiritually engaging experience. And today, Worldview Academy's mission continues. If you have a student between 13 to 18 and you care about equipping them with biblical truth so that they're prepared to stand firm and engage with the culture, then Worldview Academy is what you're looking for. Worldview Academy's week-long summer intensives cover topics in apologetics, servant leadership, and evangelism, all while building deep friendships with like-minded students. 
your student will engage with 25 hours of interactive teaching addressing questions like, how do I know that the Bible is true? Does God really exist? Who defines what is right or wrong? And what difference does that make in my life? Since 1996, over 42,000 students have called this one of the best weeks of their life. And with 18 summer intensives all across the country, there's certain to be one near you. Learn more and get 10% off your student's camp registration as a Compelled listener by using the promo code COMPELLED at worldview.org. Register for camp today at worldview.org while spots are still available. And remember to get 10% off using the promo code COMPELLED. If you like to stay up to date with current events, then you'll especially appreciate another podcast I enjoy called The World and Everything in It. It's a daily news program, about 30 minutes long, delivered every weekday morning by Christian journalists from around the world. And they aren't just rehashing the current headlines. They're actually doing investigative, boots-on-the-ground journalism while providing biblical cultural analysis. I started listening to their show about five years ago when we first launched Compelled. And since then, they've become one of my go-to sources for understanding current events from a biblical perspective. But they pull no punches. In fact, they tell the facts just as they are, even when it requires sharing uncomfortable truths. Maybe that's why they're one of Apple Podcasts' top 100 news programs. Join me and thousands of other Christians from around the world who listen to the world and everything in it. Just search for The World and Everything in It in your podcast app or visit WNG.org. So I talked to our senior pastor at the time, and he mentioned Baptist Children's Home in Valparaiso, Indiana. Had the meeting asked about the process, what it would take, what it would look like, things like that. And we weren't really like signing on the dotted line. Um, but we were we were just getting information. And this was the beginning of November 2005. And I remember he sat us down and he said, the process is a long process. He said, from today, he said, from the moment couples sign on the dotted line or from the moment they decide this is what we're going to do, he said, you're going to you're going to probably be waiting one to two years. It's going to be a process. So all of a sudden, Thanksgiving rolls around in November, and we had both sides of our family come to Indiana to be with us for Thanksgiving. As soon as we had cleaned up from Thanksgiving, um, we get a phone call, and he just said, so you're not going to believe this, but he said, I have a birth mom that just chose you to adopt her baby, and I was just totally blindsided because my mind wasn't even thinking this was going to happen. You know, I just... And I thought, everybody waits for years. We're not even done with the home study. How in the world could this happen? Yeah. And he said, well, I know this is fast. And I know you're probably like, what do I do next? And he said, but let me just walk you through it slowly. She wants to meet with you. And I figured, okay, well, I guess we can go through the next open door that anything could happen, right? So we said, okay. Our families still didn't know any of this was happening. We thought, okay, we're going to go meet with some lady named Abigail, out in Ohio. And we get to this dark little lawyer's office and Abigail and her lawyer were sitting on one side of the table and Rob and I were sitting on the other side. And then our agent from Baptist Children's Home was there and he kind of tried to guide this very awkward conversation. And we maybe sat there for an hour, but in that time, Abigail said almost nothing to us. She didn't even talk. And so when we got up to leave, I actually looked at him and said, well, 
that's a closed door. We'll never hear from her again. Yeah. And I really thought it was. And truthfully, we weren't invested in the process enough that that would have crushed us. Because yeah. we hadn't really wrapped our mind around this yet. It just was boom, 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 so, so fast. So we didn't think much of it. But two weeks later, we went to Minnesota for Christmas to be with our families. So you have all the holiday stuff going on. So it's almost like it was out of our mind. And again, our families still don't know. And we're in Minnesota, and it was December 26th, the day after Christmas. And we got a call from Abigail's lawyer. And she called and said, would you have a minute to talk to Abigail on the phone? She's got some questions for you. Well, this was out of nowhere. We thought we're never going to hear from her again. And we said, sure, you know, we'll absolutely talk to her. And she says, well, I actually just have one question for you. And then she proceeded to say, you know how when you go and apply for a job, the employer picks you for the job. And she said, but really, you have to kind of pick the employer too and say, yes, I'll come work for you. So my only question is, is if I chose you to adopt my baby, would you choose him? And we were just dumbfounded. We yeah. thought, has she faced so much rejection in her world that she doesn't think we would take this baby? You know, it was just so totally not what we were expecting. Yeah, yeah. And we said, absolutely. We would 100% take him. And she said, well, you know, there's a lot of drug history in my family. And a lot of us, and she just proceeded to go on and on. And there's been suicide. And you know, none of us have graduated high school. And she just goes on with this litany of everything wrong with her family. And it was, but would you still take him? And we were like, 100% that you haven't changed our minds, not even one little tiny bit. This does not affect our decision. We said, we would absolutely take your baby. Yeah. And then it kind of got quiet. And she said, well, then you're the ones I want to be his parents. And it was just like... And I just burst out in tears. I just started heaving in the seat. I, I'm an emotional person anyway. And uh, boy, it was it was so out of the blue. And then it just... The unexpected. Yeah. Unexpected. Yeah. And then that statement that I want you to adopt my baby and uh, that I was going to be a dad. I knew right then I'm going to be a dad. And then we said, when are you due? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because here we were without a baby room, yeah. without any baby furniture. We had nothing. And this had happened so incredibly fast. We weren't prepared for any of this. And she said, well, I'm not exactly sure when I'm due, but I think it could be any day. Okay. So it was one of those situations like, okay. oh, so we need to go home and paint a baby room. So we didn't really know when she was due, but we went home and, and set up a baby room in one day. The funnest thing that day, though, was calling up <laughs> all my aunts and uncles and, and everybody and saying, hey, Heidi and I have great news. We're going to have a baby. I'm going to be a dad. Yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah, you know, and they're asking, when is she due? And I said, well... Uh, anywhere between four and six weeks. <laughs> and they're, they all like go dead silent because we had just like three days before been with them. Yeah. And they'd all seen Heidi. Yeah. And she was not seven months pregnant. And so they're all just like totally dumbfounded. What does this all mean? And so then I would go in and say, we're going to adopt a little boy. And uh, it was just, it was one of the funnest things you got to, I had got to do it like three or four times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And I look back and I say, God sovereignly crafted oh, the perfect unquestionably. situation for us. I mean, you could not have scripted 
a better adoption story than our adoption of Griffin. She, after she chose us, she wrote out a plan and explained to this doctor that was going to deliver the baby and all the hospital staff that I want these guys, I want his parents in the delivery room. I want him handed to them. Hmm. I want them to cut the umbilical cord. It was her plan. Hmm. She scripted this story. And that's exactly how it happened. We got a call at one in the morning that we, she had gone into labor. And we got there and my my wife, you know, wanted to be presentable for her new baby boy. Yeah, yeah I had so, to stop in the bathroom to do yeah. my makeup. <laughs> yeah, to do her makeup. This was three thirty you know. in the morning. Oh nobody's my it's like silent in the hospital. I said, Hold on, I need to go do my yeah, makeup. So we're waiting and I'm so twiddling my thumbs, thinking, I mean, I wanna get up there, I wanna get up there. And then we get up there on, on, we get up to the maternity ward and the nurse says, are you Robin Heidi? And we said, yeah. She goes, you need to come right now. She, she's been holding off. We know she's been holding off oh, waiting man. for you. Oh man. And so we trucked on in there and they put us in a little holding room while they got everything decent in there. And then we came in and it was less than five minutes. It was almost it as was, soon as we came in that room, he was born. He was coming wow. out screaming, you know, I cut the umbilical cord and we sat there and looked at our little baby boy. Wow. So during that same time period, you know, when when I had submitted to God that, okay, if you want adoption, then I'm willing to do that, I still had a mind just filled with questions. I mean, I remember sitting there as this young girl thinking, is this ba- does this baby know I'm not their birth mom? Do they feel differently about me? Mm. Like, I just had so many insecurities because I just didn't know. But it seems like the older he got, it's like I was working into this place of, okay, this is a really, really beautiful thing. This yeah. is a really, really good thing. And one of the dates that really stood out was the date of his finalization. Mm-hmm. So after we took him home, which was a great experience, 10 months later is when the adoption became legally finalized. Just the process just takes time. And so I remember it was October of 2006. We went, we drove back to Valparaiso, Indiana to have his adoption finalized. And we were there in front of this judge in our matching outfits, you know, and getting all our pictures with the judge. And then he, you know, puts his gavel down and declares him our son and he gives us the papers and we leave. So he's driving, Griffin's in the back seat, and I'm reading these papers to him. And it says, on this date in October 2006, this court hereby declares that Griffin Anthony Fuller shall now be the heir of Robert and Heidi Fuller. And then it had a little clause that said, and shall be entitled to all the same rights and privileges as if he were their own natural child. And when I read that, there was something about it that just absolutely gripped me. And I start crying and Rob is crying. And next thing we know, we're pulling the car over because we can't drive (laughs) and cry. In that moment, salvation became clear. Like in that moment, that's like all I was seeing. I was like seeing the legal decree of my salvation that on this moment, you are entitled to the same rights and privileges as Jesus Christ. And that concept was so gripping to us that both of us, we just equally shared the same feeling. We just sat and wept in the car. Like, thank you, God. Thank you for this baby. Thank you for salvation because that's what you did for us. Yeah, And so- through all of that, it's like our eyes were just so opened to, wow, adoption is really cool. It solidified for us like the, the path of our, of our family journey. Adoption wasn't just a one and done. This is, this is how our family is going to be built, and we are 
way on board with it. And so we actually, very shortly after that finalization, had already called Baptist Children's Home and said, we want to do this again. We want to try to adopt a second child. And so we had started the process, and I believe we'd already even maybe prepared our albums, and we'd done a bunch of work. Well, then Rob's employment ended. I called uh, lots of different people to see about finding a new ministry and uh, called a second cousin by chance, and she mentioned about her husband's old church. And so I called Pastor Holcomb and went through a long process that we went through very quickly. I've been near now at this church for almost 11 years. At Calvary Baptist Church. At Calvary church. Baptist Church here in Derby, Kansas. I've been here for almost 11 years, and I'm super excited about the next 11 so it was just another another godsend. So, but in that transition, since we had moved states, it compromised our adoption paperwork because it's going to be different in every state. And so, while we had started the process of we're going to adopt a second time, we had started it in Indiana. Well, when we relocated to Kansas, it was all null and void. Brand it had, new paperwork. Yeah. And- yeah. So we moved, and all of a sudden, everything in our world changed. I mean, the same time period in which we moved. So that was October of 2007, my eye problems came back. Yeah. And they they came back bad. And it actually came back to the point where I wasn't able to drive anymore or read or really do much of anything. It was it was probably the worst it had ever been. So you had that piece in the mix at the exact time of our transition. Oh, wow. So we had relocated and we were unable to buy a house. So we, we called were living in this little this little apartment that was basically nice. like <laughs> Like slums. So here I am in my mind thinking, even if we wanted to adopt, no one is going to approve us. Right. No one. They're going to see this living condition. They're going to see my health. And there is no way anybody is going to approve us. Yeah. You know. And beyond that, adoptions cost around $30,000. Well, we'd been saving and we'd always been like a no debt, no debt, no debt. So we'd been saving for this, but we, I don't even think we had 10000 but little by little, God opened up a few doors and we were put in contact with somebody who did approve us for a home study. But even with that piece, I remember thinking, somebody's still going to look at my profile. They're going to look at my profile and no one's going to pick me because why would anybody pick me? This doesn't even make sense. I wouldn't pick me. <laughs> yeah. And so I remember sitting in that apartment in this first year after this major transition with this church full of people that I really couldn't even see, you know, and just so many new pieces happening. And they had asked me to play an offertory one week to to, play the piano to play the piano 2008 and to learn this music i have to hold it three inches from my face oh my goodness put it down and memorize it this is how i was learning this song so i'm looking through my books what am i going to pick what song am i going to pick and it was no question i came on a song it was does jesus care i'm like that's it that's the song i'm picking and i i remember sitting there griffin would be napping and i would sit there holding music up to my face, memorizing it, putting it down and playing on a little keyboard in my dumpy apartment. And I'd start singing along. And every time I'm singing, I am like, this is what I'm saying. Like I'm crying through this whole song. Okay. And I'd get to the chorus and it's like, oh yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. And I would be like trying to psych myself up. Right. He does. He really cares. He cares. (laughs) But I'm crying through this thinking, but I don't really know. I don't really know if he cares. But I think he does, you know? Yeah. Summer is here, and so is the chance to take a breather from school. And there's a decent chance that the subject your student is most excited to take a break from is math. But it doesn't have to be that way, especially if you're using CTC Math. Their focus is helping your student learn at the pace that's best for them. 
Every lesson is fully online with interactive questions and clear explanations. And their video tutorials take difficult concepts and break them down into digestible ideas. But here's the crazy part. They have a 12-month money-back guarantee. That's right, you can use CTC Math for an entire year. And if you don't like it, or it didn't work out for you, or if you're just unethical, which as a compelled listener, I hope you're not, then you just shoot them an email and tell them that you'd like your money back, and they'll gladly refund your entire purchase, no questions asked. There is literally no risk for an entire year. You can't beat that. Because their heart is to serve your family. That's why they sponsor Compel, so that we can continue creating stories that will bless and encourage your family. And they want to do the same for your students' math needs. So whether summer is a time for your student to catch up, keep up, or move ahead, CTC Math is there. Learn more at ctcmath.com. Again, that's ctcmath.com. You love Christian testimonies. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to Compelled. But imagine if you could enjoy Compelled stories from Christians throughout the ages, including those who've already passed away. Well, that's what our friends at YWAM Publishing are doing through their Christian Heroes book series by retelling the incredible stories of Christians like George Mueller, a man of prayer who ran an orphanage for 10,000 children in England who trusted God to miraculously provide food and shelter for those orphans, sometimes on a daily basis. Or Elizabeth Elliot, whose husband was murdered by the Aka tribe in Ecuador, but chose to forgive and move in with the tribe to share the gospel with them. Or Brother Andrew, who during the height of the Cold War smuggled Bibles to Christians behind the Iron Curtain, all under the noses of communist border guards who could have imprisoned him for life or worse. These are the types of stories that YWAM Publishing is printing, and their books are written for kids ages 10 and above, but frankly, adults love them too. They've published 50 of these biographies so far, and we just partnered with YWAM Publishing to bring you five of my favorite stories. These are the Christians that have inspired my faith and millions of others for decades, which include the three testimonies I just mentioned, as well as Corey Ten Boom and Amy Carmichael. We're calling it the Compelled Christian Heroes Bundle, and I actually worked with YWAM to select these five specific stories, and they agreed to drop the price in half just for Compelled listeners. So it's $30 and includes free U.S. shipping. To buy this bundle for yourself or to give to a friend, visit compelledpodcast.com slash YWAM. That's the letters Y-W-A-M, compelledpodcast.com slash YWAM. And trust me, if you love listening to stories on Compelled, you're going to love reading these stories too. On August 24th, my phone rings and I answer it. It's an unknown number. I don't have a clue who this person is. And and literally the lady on the other end just says, hi, I'm so-and-so from Adoption Advantage. And we're out of Tennessee. And she's like, I, I know you don't know who I am, but there was a baby boy that was born this morning in Memphis, Tennessee. He's up for adoption. And I heard you might be interested. And it was just so totally out of the blue. This baby was born. I get this phone call about four o'clock in the afternoon. Do you want him? And I was like, yes, yes, of course we do. Of course we want him. And I'm like getting more and more excited as I'm talking to this lady on the phone. And I had a little piece of paper. I thought, tell me the details. Just what do I need to do? You know, we're there. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm writing down all of these details and she's saying, you know, you could meet someone here and you bring your home study and, and all these pieces. And 
right as I'm about to be done, she says, and you bring a check for $28,000. And my heart just totally sinks. $28,000. $28,000. I thought, are you kidding me? Like, we absolutely don't have that kind of money. We want him, but we can't. Like, we can't do this. This is a Saturday. Even if we could get a loan, you can't do it on a Saturday. There was just everything about it was totally impossible and totally ridiculous. And so I said, oh, I am so sorry. I said, we would love to adopt him, but there is no way that we we could afford that. And so I, I was saying goodbye. And of course, Rob had only heard one side of the conversation from behind me. And as I'm saying goodbye, he's like flagging me down in the background. He goes, no, 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 no. We need to pray about this or something. He said, ask if we can have a minute to pray about it. And so, you know, I kind of went back and said, well, you know, okay, can, can I have your number? Can I maybe call you back? Could we have like 30 minutes to just talk and pray about this? And she said, well, you can, but I mean, like, I have to place this baby today. Like, this isn't... He has been born. So I said, okay. So we turn around and we do some very, very fast praying. <laughs> and he called his dad and I called mine. And I think we had resigned in our minds that we had to make a a life-altering decision immediately. And so we thought, we don't have the ability to make this. And so really both of us were like, we're going to call the people in our lives God has put there. And whatever they say, that's what we're doing. I mean, we were going to call our pastor and our dads. Yeah. Her dad is a very uh, wise financial person and has taught my wife a lot uh, in that. And through that, I've learned a lot. And so we thought... Probably what he would say is, this probably isn't the one for you. God will give you what you need to do what what you need to do, and God's just not giving you. That's what we expected. So when I called him, ironically, he said, you know, Heidi, I need a minute to pray about this. Hmm. And so I said, okay, great. You guys pray about it. Give me a call back. And yet when he called back, he got on the phone and he said, your mom and I just finished praying about this. We think this is so providential. Things like this don't happen to people. We think you need to go get that little boy and we're going to wire you the money. And in an instant, it was like we had the support of all the godly leaders in our life and now we had the funds. Oh my goodness. And he goes, you guys pay me back when you can. This was, you know, in a 30 minute time span, all of this happened and here I was scheduled to play this song at church the next day. And Mm. it was just like this real life, he cared. Yeah, Mm. He cared. You know, it was so vivid for me. So at four in the afternoon, we uh, start working on this whole thing. And by five o'clock, we are making plans to to drive to Memphis, yeah. Tennessee. The whole way looking at each other saying, are we really this doing this? Are we really doing this? Yeah. I remember looking at our check register thinking, how are we going to have gas money to get home? And so for me, like this whole thing was such a test of my faith hmm. because that is not how I operate. And then we would look and say, well, what are we going to name him? I mean... Yeah, we, we were trying we were to figure out names on the way down. <laughs> we were driving, and they gave us a call because they knew we were coming, and they were saying, what name do you want on the birth certificate? And we had been talking. We kind of had... Well, many times a, I had said, if we have another boy, I want his name to be Reese. I just loved that name. I said, you named Griffin. I pick Reese. And so Rob's sitting there like talking Reese to Fuller, them. and they say, what about a middle name? And Rob's going, he's motioning to me. 
what's his middle name? <laughs> what's his middle name? So we're kind of like, I, I don't I don't know. Hey, hey, we a, need a, an A name. Aaron? A, a, and Aaron? I kind of just spit out Aaron, you know? So it wasn't a thought over name, but it was, okay, Reese Aaron. I guess that goes. Okay, tell him Reese Aaron Fuller. Yeah. <laughs> but the coolest thing was is that, so here I am in this place of, you know, could God really do this? And every day he did. Every day. I mean, we get down there and no sooner have we been there two days than a friend of a friend of a friend knows somebody in Memphis who just so happened to be moving and selling their house, which just so happens to have furniture still in it, but they've already moved. So they say, sure, bring them the keys. They can stay in that house as long as they need to free of charge while they adopt this oh, child. Wow. God just continued to provide over and over in, in little ways and big, but we had only been back in Kansas for one week when it was a Sunday morning and, and the service was about to start and Pastor Holcomb came and pulled us out right before the service. And he said, hey, I got to tell you guys something. And he pulled us back to a side room and he goes, the church received a gift this week in the amount of $10,000 and it was earmarked to go towards the Fuller's expenses. Oh, wow. He says it's an anonymous gift and it's to help cover some of your debt. So in an instant, you know, a large portion of our of our debt was gone. And then through a variety of things we were able to sell, we were able to get the rest of it. So within a six-week period of time, his adoption was totally and completely paid for. This impossible situation. Each of my children I could look at as with Griffin, it was like, this is submission. And then with Reese, I look at him and I just think, this is faith. And then my eyes, I was able to have a surgery that cleared up a lot of the stuff and I was able to drive again and read again. And so it's like the blessings just flooded during yeah. that period of life. Okay, so let's 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 back up for a second. Okay. So so at this point you have Griffin and you have Reese. You have yep. two boys, they're separated in age by about two years. Yeah, about two, two and, and a half, half years. years. Yep. And so at that point, did you think you were done with adoption? I mean, this is it? We a hundred percent thought the family was complete yeah. because of the financial portion. And we would joke and we would say, Well, unless God wanted to drop twenty thousand dollars into our lap, I guess our family is complete. And we were Totally happy with that. That mm -hmm. was a wonderful, wonderful thing. Mm -hmm. But then one day he did. <laughs> yeah. He did. The tax laws changed and they changed adoption tra tax credits so that now instead of just being something that you could deduct off the taxes you owe, they were like fully refundable. Wow. So huge amounts that we had put into Reese were now not just, you know, making it so we didn't have to pay in taxes, but we could get the refunded back ref about twenty one thousand dollars. Yeah, man, in one year and and we we'd never seen money instantly like that. I mean, ever. And we instantly started to make plans accordingly. I mean, putting money towards a new car, putting money towards a vacation. I was going to get a new kitchen table because I really needed one. Yeah, <laughs> and so we had all these things, and we had our little our little spreadsheet, you know, of how all of this money was going to be spent. And it's like a week. Maybe after all of that, I don't know what came over us, but it's like one day the light bulb just went on. Have you asked God hmm. what he would want you to do with this money? And so that's what we did. We both started praying individually. We, we sat in the kitchen and she says, Rob, I, I just have been really thinking that, that we need to look into adoption again a third time because uh, we would never have this money to be able to do it again. And... We I, And I said, you know what, honey, that's exactly what I was thinking too. So we had, at the very beginning, committed to two years and $20,000 that we would give all back to God. And you know, 
the excitement started to build after you kind of wrap your mind around, okay, we're doing this again. Yeah. You kind of, it starts to grow and you get and a little bit more excited. And after you've had two experiences, experiences like we had, yeah. that one just from start to finish was just a couple of months and it was like, bam, yeah. done. And then the one with Reese that took a little bit longer, but there was no waiting once you knew we were once we knew we were getting Reese. Yeah. It was just, so you're answering every like unlisted phone number that calls you guys. <laughs> right. And, you know, and we're thinking, we expected this it to is be, be fast. Yeah. This, this isn't gonna take long. This yeah. isn't gonna take long. And God long. had worked so mightily, like all of a sudden you just get a check for twenty one thousand dollars, you know, you kinda think, okay, the next thing to follow is the phone call. And you just we just thought that's what's gonna happen, you know? But that time we had pretty much every impossible situation arise that could. And that concludes the first half of our two-part story on Rob and Heidi's amazing adoption journey. It's inspiring to hear how God miraculously opened doors for their adoptions even before they were expecting them. But what about the times when heart-rending tragedy strikes over and over again until reality seems to reflect a cruel, merciless God who is anything but loving? Next Tuesday, you'll hear how Rob and Heidi had to cope with that exact scenario yet how it eventually strengthened their own faith. If you want part two of Rob and Heidi's story delivered straight to your inbox as soon as it's released, then visit our website, compelledpodcast.com, and subscribe to our email list. You'll be the first to know. And if you keep listening until after the music finishes, we'll even play you a sneak peek from next week's episode. To find other episodes of our podcast, visit our website, compelledpodcast.com. You can also find our episodes by subscribing to Compelled on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, and many other podcast platforms. New episodes are released every Tuesday. As I mentioned before, we're over halfway done with our season. If you've enjoyed our podcast, then we'd really appreciate it if you'd share it with some friends. Leaving a review and a five-star rating on iTunes or Facebook would also be a big blessing. It's one of the key ways that new listeners can find our show. Our show was edited by Zach Fowler, a gifted film editor, visual effects artist, and storyteller. You can find Zach and his work at ZachFowlerImagery.com. Our logo was designed by Josiah Jost, an incredibly talented logo designer. You can reach Josiah and view his work at SiahDesign.com. Our website was created by Ben Billups, a digital developer extraordinaire. You can follow Ben on Instagram at Ben.Billups. Our assistant producer is none other than my lovely wife, Sarah Hastings. Without her, this podcast wouldn't exist. And that's it for this episode. Stick around after the music for a sneak peek at our next episode and the second half of Rob and Heidi's adoption journey. I'm your host, Paul Hastings, and you've been listening to Compelled. We'll see you next Tuesday. Long story short, we left Texas with a car full of baby gear for this little baby, and we had no baby. It was just such a low, low place in life. Like everything I believe about this God, everything in my theology clashes with my reality. It does not match, and it's not ending. By then, it had been a year and a half of this. A year and a half of over and over and over and over. When's it going to end? This episode is brought to you by The Truce Podcast. I'm sure you've been there. You're at an event, a dinner, a small group, and someone says something like, If you're a Christian, you have to vote Republican. Huh. That raises an interesting question. How did evangelicals like me get to the place where we just assumed we'd all vote one way? 
This season on the Truce Podcast, we're diving deep into the complexity of the 1970s and 80s to understand how evangelicals tied themselves to the Republican Party. It's a story that involves murder, corruption, redemption, and our need to be heard. I'll be talking with celebrated historians like Rick Perlstein, Pulitzer Prize winners Francis Fitzgerald and Jesse Isinger, and some of the best guests I've ever had. Truce is the show that uses journalistic tools to look inside the Christian church. We press pause on the culture wars in order to explore how we got here and how we can do better. Subscribe to Truce anywhere you get podcasts or listen at trucepodcast.com.